This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we'll be reading through all four books in the Inheritance Cycle series, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page. We'll also offer our own insights, theories, and first impressions of the wonderful world of Allegasia. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart. Hello and welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast where we talk about the Inheritance Cycle or Aragon books. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Shelby or Sheacup. And... Before we get started, I want to remind you to please join our Discord, The Cups Podcasting, and more, and please like and review us on Apple or Spotify. If you leave us a review with five stars and some kind words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. And so with that, I think we should get started. So this week, we're talking about the chapter, The Diamond Tomb, or just Diamond Tomb. And basically, Aragon wakes up after they've buried Brom, and he has some conversation with Murtag, where they talk about what who Murtag is and what he's doing. Um, we also learn that the origin of Aragon's sword, Zarok, we learn that it was once the sword of Morzan, the first and last of the Forsworn, and one of the king's greatest servants. And then Aragon kind of talks about He needs to sell one of the horses because he can't have two of them. They kind of talk about what they need to do. And then Aragon and Sephira have a conversation about what to do with the sword, about lots of stuff and what to do next. And it turns out that Braum did tell Sephira what to do in case he died. And we learned about this Dormond that they need to go to in the silly city of Gilead and to help find the Varden. And this little nice note that just says that Saphira says Braun believed Aragon the best suited to inherit the writer's legacy. And then they decide to go to Gilead and then they decide to leave there and they do that. And at the last minute, they're saying goodbye to Braun and Saphira touches it and uses a moment of magic and turns all of stone to diamond. So, A short-ish chapter, but a lot of stuff happens in this chapter. Yeah, so much happens. I have so many thoughts. Um, And I I think some of my thoughts from last week are probably going to bleed into this chapter because I have just really been thinking about last week's two chapters and this week's two chapters all day today. So it's going to be a little bit mingled, I think, which hopefully our listeners will be okay with. But um, the first thing is that this question that Murtag asks um, Aragon at the beginning of the chapter is, I feel like, so poignant. Murtag asks, will you recover? And of course, I assume he's asking about Aragon's physical injuries, but I don't think it's about his physical injuries. I think it's about his grief. And I think Aragon's answer of not fully, or I don't know, or whatever it is he says 
is the perfect answer because I don't think he'll ever fully recover from Brahms' death. I think it's something that's going to follow him for the rest of his life. I think it's something that he's always going to have with him um, in the back of his head, like in every happy moment, it's always going to have those bittersweet moments too, because Brahms no longer with him. And I think he did see him as a father figure, see him as a grandfather figure, see him as like the single most influential person in his life. And I think that that's always going to be with him. Yeah, I really do agree with that. And it's kind of like a really nice analysis that I didn't really get when I first read it because I was 13, 12, 13. And you don't pick up on that, but reading it as adult, you see not only that we established Murtag last, either this cha- last chapter or two before chapters of him being emotional. And I think you kind of see this emotional intelligence with Murtag. I very much agree. And something I've been thinking about is like, Aragon is so shocked almost when Brom dies. And I could see some people having kind of a reaction against that and being like, well, Brom was super old. Of course he died. Like, of course he couldn't, um, of course he couldn't like recover from his wounds the way that Aragon does. And I, that's something I've really, really, really been thinking about um, this whole week because like, and I'm I'm gonna be real and 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 have a real life experience because um my grandfather died last year and I very much imagine them in similar ways. Not at all because like magic is real or dragon riders exist in our world, but they've both very much were two people who like were invincible like you you could not imagine them ever being weak and I'm sure you can agree with that um knowing my grandfather and and so for me like even though he was almost 80 when he died like I never considered him to ever like I never thought he would die and so for me I felt a lot of kinship with Aragon in that because it's like Brom was also that like Aragon never even considered the possibility that Brom could die because Brom taught him everything because Brom was so strong because Brom knew everything because Brom was everything to Aragon and so I just I just felt a lot of kinship with him and in reading this chapter there was a lot of like that lingering shock that lingering grief that's like oh my god I don't even know like what do I do now and you know this whole conversation about whether or not to trust Murtag like he's like oh well Brom would know what to do might as well just give up now I just felt a lot of kinship and empathy with that yeah definitely kind of see that and like this isn't I really appreciate the writing because like a death like Brahms is not something you get over in the couple days that it has been with Aragon and a lot of writers and a lot of for purpose of moving the story along they'll have this big death and then the character will get over it until like the end of the book or the end of this scene and they're like oh I wish this person would have been there and I feel like you're missing this stage like the middle stage between like the beginning of grief where everything is so raw and shocked and you have the end of grief where you still miss them and you still feel all of that but 
it's not constant thing. This like middle stage isn't normally portrayed. And I wouldn't say Aragon's in the mid stage yet, but like he's starting to kind of move on and say like, well, I have to move on. Yeah, I very much agree with that. And also like, it's the stage of where everything is kind of dulled, but you can still go about your everyday life. You're just not doing it at an optimum like level. Like you're doing your job, but you're just putting in the bare minimum effort. I feel like Aragon is getting to that point. And you're right that that point is not described well in media at all. And so I think it shows you what a good writer Paolini is if he's able to like portray this like when he wrote this as a teenager so it kind of makes me wonder and want to know like what experiences with grief does he have in his own life that gave him kind of this deeper view especially as a teenager i'm just like i couldn't write this level of emotional depth at 19 like there's no way that that would happen yeah i mean that's fair so uh i think another thing to illustrate kind of this point is this conversation when Aragon's asking Murtag like what did you what were you doing like why were you after the Razak like whatever and he says I thought you wanted to kill the Razak and it says Murtag smiled grimly I do but if I had I never would have met you and then Aragon says but Braum would still be alive I wish he were here. He would know whether to trust Martin. Yeah, I think that's a really good kind of summation of everything we just talked about, because he's not saying like he's not despairing like, oh, woe is me. Oh, I wish life was different, etc. He's he's just saying, well, if this had happened, then this would have happened. And he's not necessarily like wishing away everything that has happened thus far. He just wants the person back. Yeah. And I totally get that. Uh, and just since we're since it happens next there, I think we can kind of move on to the next thing. Aragon tries to prod into Murtag's mind and he hits a brick wall, like something he's never encountered before ever. Yeah, it's very interesting. I don't want to talk too much about that because I have predictions. OK, that we'll get into later. So. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to go back for a second because I, I thought that Murtag's comment, this happens like at the very beginning, um, right after the whole like, um, will you recover question. Murtag, again, speaking to his emotional um, stability and intelligence is like, hey, so like this is a bad time to bring this up, but like I have to. And he literally says, was your Brom the Brom? <laughs> and it just like... It just got me. Yeah. And like, I think this is really interesting to me. And I kind of want to track this um, interaction from this lens as we keep going and everything. Murtag is like hit the first peer that Aragon has interacted with since he left Carvajal. Yeah. So I just think that's interesting um, because we get the feeling like when he tells him, like, it's not that Murtag is very old. He does seem older than Aragon, but like, not by much. He he in in the book in the last chapter, I think it said he was like one year older than Aragon. Right. Um but I have a quote that I wanted to read that is just so important. Like this feels like maybe not the climax of the book, but like maybe the 
the climax of like Aragon's character development in this book. And he says, or he thinks from this moment on, I'll live by the sword. Let the whole world see what I am. I have no fear. I am a writer now fully and completely. And he says that on page 314 in my Kindle version. And I just felt like the whole book so far has been leading up to this point. This whole book has been, him meeting Safira, him leaving Carvajal with Safira, him learning what it means to be a dragon rider, learning about the dragon riders, about magic, how to read, how to fight, how to use a sword, how to survive, literally all of the things. And then he learns about, you know, the historical stuff like the war and all of this, all of this. And so then he had to wrestle with like his identity. Am I, am I really willing to give up my life? I thought I was going to lead as a hunter and a farmer and, and all of that. And he's finally now accepted it. Yeah. I think it is very interesting. And like, I kind of chuckled when he said this, because when he said, I am now, I'm a writer now fully and completely. I was like, buddy, we got three more books to go through like don't don't count your chickens before they've hatched um that's fair but like acknowledging you are something is like the first step into the journey like it's not like he's done this is this is the opposite of being done this is like his first step into the world of the dragon riders right um and i think it's easy to read the like i have no fear statement as some kind of like naive like being naive or being young or being reckless but I think it's more of a thing of like you could interpret it as I have no fear therefore I'm not gonna run anymore like I'm going to like I'm going to embrace this path that I'm that I need to take like there is no there is no going back to Aragon the hunter and farmer Aragon the hunter and farmer is gone Right. I also think, though, I think you can see it as a a version of I have nothing left to lose, so I don't have anything to fear. Like, yeah, he can lose his life, but I don't think he cares too much about about that. And I, I see him and Safira as like two sides of the same coin, like they're united. But like he's lost Garrow. He thinks he's lost Roran. He's lost Brom. He's lost everything he's known and forged something new. So he has nothing to lose anymore. He's just going to put it all out, out there on the line. Yeah. So we kind of move in now. We're at the revelation of Zarok's history. Yeah. Which again, we get a tie of like, of noting and since this is from Aragon's point of view, I always read it as Aragon noting this. When he reveals it, he says that sword, he, Murtag, said with emotion, was once known as its owner, as well as its owner, the last rider to carry it was Morzen, a brutal, savage man. I thought you were a foe to the Empire. Yet here I find you bearing one of the four horns bloody swords. Like, so what is, to me, that question begets, like, what is... Murtag's connection to this sword like what is his connection to what this sword represents because you have it might be well known but to like recognize someone's weapon there has to be some kind of like connection there you know yeah absolutely um again this ties into my prediction so I don't want to get super into it but 
like he he has trauma associated with this um in my opinion so that's why he's having such an emotional reaction but i wanted to ask you like is this morzan person still alive no so they died during the war yes uh brahm yeah because we get in the whole thing the brahm he killed morzan right oh yeah 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 Okay. Yeah, I just, it's it's very obvious to me Murtag is running away from everything he's always known, and everything he's always known is also tied up in the identity of the Empire. Right. Um, but let's move on a little bit to, they're traveling, right? Um, they're, they're getting ready to go to Gilead, and Aragon is like, oh, great, we're, like, gonna go together, like, We'll have friends, safer numbers, great, wonderful. And then Murtag drops his bomb like, oh, sorry, if you go to the Varden, I am not going. Like, it's just not happening. And he will not budge on that. Right. So I thought that was interesting. We also learned that the Empire is searching for Murtag. Right. But it's interesting that he compares uh, going into encountering the Varden would be as dangerous for him as walking unarmed into Uraban. Uraban. Yeah. Uraban. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that was interesting to me as well. But we'll get into this in prediction section. I want to talk about Safira for a while because I just loved the conversation they had um, where she says, I miss the old one. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was really sweet. And it's not often that we get to see Safira almost emotional. Um, and so I just really liked that kind of vulnerability that she's putting out there. Um, right. And it's funny because she says, yeah, I knew he was a writer from day one. I just didn't tell you. And Aragon's like, what the hell? <laughs> right. Well, so... I'm going to make your memory go back. If we go back to when we first encounter and realize that Brom has talked to Safira and knows about Safira, and Aragon's like, come here, like, we want to listen, like, we need to leave. And Safira's like, no, you need to listen to what he has to say. And he's like, why? And Safira says, because of the slaughter at Doru Areva, which at that point, we don't know what that is. But now mm-hmm. we know that's the last battle that the riders have against Galvatorx and the Forsworn. And it's where Safira, her namesake, is killed. So that's as early as Safira knew who Brom was and what, and that he was a rider with a namesake, a Safira. Right. So she she knew from the get-go, like, everything. Right. I also wanted to read, I know you read part of it, um what what Safira says um about Brahm about Aragon um and so I'm just going to read it again because I think it really is the the point of this chapter and and it says this Brahm also wanted you to know that of all the people in Allegasia he believed you were the best suited to inherit the writer's legacy Tears welled in Aragon's eyes this was the highest praise he could have ever received from Brahm a responsibility I will bear honorably. Good. We will go to Gilead then, says Aragon. 
So I just feel like that's exactly what Aragon needed to like get him through this, moving into the next phase of this book and, and of his life even. Um, and I don't think that that's, I don't think that him moving on is him forgetting Brom. In fact, I think it's him taking everything Brom taught him and putting it to heart and carrying that with him forever. And I think that this conversation is a really good symbol of that and a symbol of like his purpose being reminded to him. Right. Definitely. And I think that we're over halfway through the book and you know, I think that this whole kind of after scene and handling it for me plays very similar to Gandalf falling with Balrog on the bridge of Khazad Doom, and then almost all the scenes that happen in Lothlorien. I totally agree with that. That is such a good comparison. It really is very much the same. Um, I totally agree. And just like, you know, I've only seen the movie, so I haven't read the book of the Fellowship of the Ring, but the whole scene where they're standing there and like uh, Legolas says, like, they're giving a lament to Gandalf in the elven tongue. They're like, well, what are they saying? And they said, he says, I have not the heart to tell you. And then Sam gets up and does some kind of song about his fireworks. Um, but yeah. I just think that it really plays that scene of like this kind of lull scene of like, we don't really know what we're going to do, but we're going to sit here in this path of what to do. Yeah. And we're going to sit here and we're going to feel our feelings. I think that that is something I'm glad these books exist, Lord of the Rings and Aragon, because I think that that is something we as a people group, as humans in 2022, 23, we don't do this very well in the United States, at least. Um, we don't feel our grief very well at all. When someone dies, we have a funeral and we we say, oh, well, that person should be better. Our, our jobs, if we're lucky, give us two days of bereavement time, if we're lucky, Um and so I appreciate that that these books illustrate a healthier grieving process. Right. And then just to kind of like capitalize on that as we move to probably need to start transitioning to predictions pretty soon. But it kind of ends like another point of Aragon's authentic grief of Murtag asks as they're ready to go. He's like, are you strong enough to travel? And Aragon says, I have to do something or I'll go crazy. Sparring, practicing I, magic. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that a lot. Uh, you know, my grandmother used to always say, I have to do something even if it's wrong, but I need to do something. <laughs> that is a life motto. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing that really happens that we haven't talked about is the diamond tomb, which this chapter has its name for. Yeah. Yeah. I um, loved this. This I saw this as Sephira's gift to Brahm um, mm -hmm. and a way for her to say thank you for everything. So I loved that. But I also think from a lore perspective, we got to We got to talk about it because this is really like the first time we see her doing magic. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important. Right. And the important things I want to point out is Sephira uses no words of power. Um, and it just kind of like, it's almost like an instinct takes over to her. Uh, and it just says her sides vibrated as a low humming filled the air as if magic doing that. And then the sunstone uh, changes. Yeah, I think it really shows you, it's a really good illustration of how magic is so much more intrinsic to dragons than it is to humans. Yes, definitely. She doesn't need, she doesn't need all this extra stuff to do magic. She could just do magic. Aragon has to have words. He's got to be in the right mental state. He's got to be careful. Safira can just do whatever she wants with magic. And I think that it comes to a point of like you could infer because so Brom tells Aragon that like he has an unnatural gift that he's able to just say Brisinger and get fire to do whatever he wants because most early magicians have to like spell out every word that they want to say to get the magic to take effect but with a dragon it's pure intention, it's pure instinct, it's pure thought. And I think that it just speaks to the power of dragons and that dragons, along with dwarves, are really the only native creatures to Allegasia and how tied they are to the power and magic of this land. Yeah, I think that that's a theme we'll continue to see throughout the rest of the series. Yeah. All right, well, let's do your predictions and then we can get on with them. All right, so my predictions are about Murtag. And I really do think that he's the son of someone very important, like very important. I don't know if I want to go so far as to say Galbatorix or an advisor or like maybe this um, Morzan guy or or someone. He is very important. And... um. not just someone important but someone important in the empire to the empire so that's my first prediction my second prediction is that whoever murtag's father is is the one that taught him how to do his whole mind thing interesting do you have thoughts on my thoughts um i they are thoughts Okay. Yeah, you know I'm not going to be able to tell you anything. I just wish you could have some reaction. Like, you could say something because I always just feel like I'm stupid. (laughs) Because you're just like, well, that's interesting. I just don't want to give anything away. I understand. But your predictions are very thoughtful and well thought out. Okay, whatever you say. Is that your only one? Well, there were two in one, but yes, that's it. All right. Well, do you have any last thoughts about this chapter? I loved this chapter and I am still sad that Brom is gone. So there's that. I don't know if I'll ever be over it. Um, Yeah, I don't don't think I'm over it. (laughs) Uh, And so that's 
that's all we got today. Thank you all for listening to the Inheritance Cycle Page by Page podcast. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle Page by Page podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Inheritance Page or email us at inheritancepage at gmail.com. Make sure you join us on Discord in the Cups podcasting and more. All links are in the episode description. May good fortune rule over you. May the stars watch over you and may peace live in your heart.